what is next from the republic you say very very interesting i think Carlos is just trying to stoke the fires there he knows that there'll be others that will respond to that immediately i want us to take uh, uh, uh you know to to change tune slightly and take a look at the story um and it's around decolonizing the internet and one of the big questions that is being dealt with in the context of this conversation is whose stories are being told and who is telling them. So what is the role that the internet and internet giants play in creating, in influencing the content that oftentimes ends up in our in boxes that ends up on our social uh, media timelines. I'm sure you've noticed that sometimes you'll get a piece of information that you just, you wonder, why is this on my timeline? Why am I seeing this? Who decided that I needed to see this in this moment? And our guests are really going to help uh, unpack part of what is happening, at least in the background, behind the scenes of the World Wide Web. Nanjira Sambuli is a commissioner on the Lancet and Financial Times Global Commission. Nanjira, good morning to you. Good morning, Kathy. Thanks for having me. Let me also welcome onto the show Lorena Yame Palasi, and she's the founder of the Ethical Tech Society. Lorena, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me as well. You are having a conversation or contributing to the conversation around decolonizing the internet. Before we can even get to the point where we're decolonizing it, if we are to truly do that in earnest, we have to begin by understanding why we say that the internet is colonized and who is responsible for that. Lorena, let me begin with you. Yes, uh, indeed. It, it needs sort of step back to why why are we saying that the internet is colonized? How come? And it starts already as the concept or as the idea um, of the internet happened. It happened at white universities in the U.S. Um, and it was a military and academic project. So the way how... Um, the the whole idea of the internet was cre- created the mathematics behind the internet and also of all the services that um run through the internet i mean the internet is a very wide and broad term right it means very different things to very different peoples around the world for some people it's um it means apps for others it means um um, a, a very close range form of digital communication. It could be WhatsApp or it could be only Facebook. So um, it really, it already starts there. Um, already we, we, we see that we have very different ideas of the internet, but all of those ideas are marked by um, Western or Westernized approaches of um, digitalizing things. So, if we step very, very back of um, to, to the initial ideas of how we can create something digital, what are the mathematics that we need for that? What are the services that we need to create um, to create um, social media, etc.? Those are concepts and are ideas that are based on very old European thinking. 
um, that decide that mathematics are done in a very specific way and decide that um, only a specific approaches to um, to to understand the world are um, real approaches and scientific approaches and can be used for um, digital services. Mm. So this sounds very abstract, but what I mean with that is that, for instance, um, it starts assuming that rationality is the basis of science and that ration and that idea of rationality is assuming that um, rationality implies neutrality and objectivity. Mm-hmm. And the position from which you are observing things, for instance, does not matter. And of course, we know that um, with that um, apparent neutrality, what you're doing is creating, um, in a subtle way, standards. Um, because um, because it assumes that um, everyone can observe equally the very same things. And that is, of course, not true. Our languages... Um, influence a lot how we see things. There are languages that do not have the world the word blue, so for them blue does not exist. Um, there are languages that have um, more than two words for 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 um, gender, mm-hmm. um, and um, of course um, there are languages where there is no gender. So um, on where people use other pronouns. Um, and that already um, brings a new perspective in the way how you see things. For instance, Japanese don't see the, when they see the streetlights and they go to a different country where, they, where, where, where that country has the word green, they, don't, they are unable to use it to describe the colors of the streetlights. For them, it's red and yellow and blue instead of um, for other cultures it would be red and yellow and green and that already shows that Mm. um, that whatever we observe um, it's also marked by the culture the language we've been growing with the um, uh, the position that we are women observe differently um, people uh, from different cultural backgrounds, from different um, from different ethnicities, and also skin colors. Um, this all brings different perspectives, different ways of feeling, and it does matter your position because it does show that. Because with that, we we are able to um, to understand also the power that it's in every description that we do in math. Because mathematics is not neutral. If we decide in a um, in a AI system, in an um, artificial intelligence, in an internet system, that we want to classify which gender people uh, have, and we decide that there are only two genders, we are making a political decision. Mm. Every categorization is a restriction. There are systems that decide that there are races, uh, and those systems decide that um, they have just four races, for instance. IBM had um, a classification of races that wouldn't even acknowledge that there is people with black skin. They would um, they would create um, categories that um, would not be accepted by most communities and most cultures all around the world, mm-hmm. especially in the um, southern hemisphere. And with that, it shows 
how powerful it is when you create categories that you enshrine in the internet and with which you classify how people can travel can can surf through the internet and um and access to content or um have access to specific services and so and, um, yeah sorry yeah, to come please. in there lorena and categories are really essential to how the the internet is cu- currently functions that businesses multinational corporations are putting people into categories in order to be able to sell them whether it's content whether it's product whatever the end outcome might be yes i mean everything sounds very sensitive very very uh, harmless right you are using um you might be using some some of you might be using spotify or some music uh service and and the service seems quite okay you're using music but how about uh the music that you're using is it music that is being listened by a specific community perhaps is it popular music that is very much liked in the lgbtq um i plus community or is it music coming from a specific language and a specific culture so um the services providing you with uh, music that you're streaming um might infer a lot of information about the choices that you are um, making um and this is something that happened in 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 diverse countries and spotify as a service was trying to understand what sexuality people have um what migration background they have by the music choices that they were doing and this goes over and over to many many other things that we're doing in the internet where um at the first at first sight you have the impression well this is something that people will not know what what am my doing and who am i and so on but the thing is that um this approaches or this data might be a proxy for other type of assumptions that you can do about people and um it doesn't matter whether those assumptions are right it doesn't matter um whether those assumptions um are based on some truthful correlation between um the music choices that you do and your sexuality the point is that already by creating categories you create restrictions you assume that a category is something very limiting mm. um it's like a box and there are not enough boxes in the world in the whole world to depict human complexity we are two boxes uh, we are mothers and daughters and um we are uh, professionals and we also have uh friends and we also have a sexuality but we also have um intellectual interests or interests in nature and all those things cannot be fully categorized and mathematized so mm-hmm. with those intentions of trying to the, to mathematize human beings and thinking that you can create solutions in such a mathematical approach is always going to be problematic because with every category that you do there's always the category that you don't do and people that um do not fit in all the drawers that you created all right 
Let me bring Nanjira on. Quite a lot there to digest. Nanjira, I know that you've also been looking at different um, research when it comes to the subject of decolonizing the internet and, and the role really of artificial intelligence in, 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 in governing our world in some ways. Yes, uh, Lorena has done a good job of painting the picture in terms of what's happening. Another angle here that really affects us here on the continent is that a lot of these decisions uh, affecting the tools that we're using every day on the Internet are being designed so far removed from our reality. There are very few of us or representatives of our diverse communities who are at the helm of these companies um, that are, you know, like Spotify or elsewhere that are trying to make sense of us or to order us into these categories that make um, the AI machinery uh, get, basically live up to the hype where if it's categorized, these people are South Africans, these ones as Kenyans, these ones as this, uh, spe- speakers of these kind of languages and so on and so forth, um, they probably rely on data sets that are so far removed from us that do not even accommodate something like, I might listen to a song, um, let me, I might listen to an Amma piano song that has Kiswahili lyrics as, long as, as well as English lyrics, so how do they neatly order us into categories? A Nigerian will listen to that, a Kenyan will listen to that, a South African will listen to that. So we have a huge challenge in terms of that, how that's affecting what we get to be exposed to. Uh, what we discover, but um, and as just as importantly, what we don't get to see and what we don't get to discover. We've seen many stories about this as far as stuff like elections uh, or political content goes on social media platforms, but it's pervasive across so many other sectors. We're seeing it jumping into sectors like health, where our data and even COVID-19 is really accelerating this idea of using artificial intelligence and big data to help make uh, predictive outcomes or reorder our health systems. And these are things we need to be very aware of because uh, at the end of the day, very few of these companies are are our own that are trying to use these technologies. And we still have that what is really a continuity of the coloniality where decisions are made far away and we're just connected for the extractive nature of our data. Back then it was our natural resources. That still continues today to even build these technologies that run and power these AI systems. But we are still connected again in a very strange sense to just feed the system that keeps the resources or the benefits far removed from our continent and our realities. And we as the primary uh, sort of sources of these data. Nanjira, when we look at the role of technology, often it is applauded as a tool that can be used to advance, you know, advance the world effectively. Does it matter who has, who has and who is creating these platforms on which we find ourselves? Absolutely. The one narrative that we must disabuse ourselves of completely is that technology is neutral at any stage or it just fits this simple equation, if X, then Y. Who creates the technology? Who gets the resources to create technology? Who, uh, whose assumptions are baked into it or whose beliefs are baked into it are very political uh, nuances there. They follow gender dynamics. They follow geographical dynamics. It's typically at the helm of tech societies, the white urban male who is supposed to be building these solutions for all of us, and that remains the case. So we definitely have to remember that technologies are only as good as the assumptions that are baked in on the onset and the mechanisms that are introduced at every step of the way to investigate what were the sort of um, assumptions, the questions, the queries, the ideas that were seeded 
that are supposed to be having these kinds of outcomes. Going back to Lorena's example of Spotify, for example, we have to ask why are they trying to use something as pure and beautiful as music and how we use these applications to discover music from different parts of the world to try and neatly order us into these categories. Who's doing that and why? Who are they trying to understand? You'll find most often the not, for example, it's black people who are subjects and not the ones who are doing that kind of research. It arguably could be different if it was a, you know, a local or regional research category trying to make sense of contemporary culture, but that's not why Spotify is doing it. They may uh, down the line give researchers a, you know, a little snippet of what they've collected, but it's not our intentions or our motives that are driving those kinds of research, uh, research endeavors. So I think what that says to the individual who's just living their best life on the internet is really just being aware and, 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 and sort of venturing to read about what's happening. I call it the tech of our lives. These stories are being told on a daily basis. These uh, challenges are being pointed out by scholars, by media and others to just get ourselves aware as we all try to figure out how we stem the tide of what's already becoming a normal way of understanding how technology gets into our lives. And, and you're really raising an important issue there, Nanjira, because ultimately the big question is about how all of this information and how all of these perspectives and analysis affect me as the individual. Why is it important for me to know this? Why is it important for me to be questioning some of these things when I am online? And we'll continue uh, the conversation with Nanjira Sambuli. She's a commissioner on the Lancet and Financial Times Global Commission. Lorena Yame Palisi, Palasi rather, is a founder of the Ethical Tech Society. We'll continue our conversation with them. I'll also uh, be taking your calls on this issue. 011-714-2006. How do you think you have been affected um, in particular by the way in which data is collected about you online? Do you have uh, specific examples in terms of what that experience means? And and I think it will also be important to reflect on the ways in which you feel that you have experienced discrimination while using a particular platform. You know, there are people who say, well, when I actually do, you know, a simple thing like eye recognition, Eye recognition doesn't pick you up, doesn't doesn't recognize. Why? Because it doesn't pick up the tone of your skin. And these are the things that we need to question um, so that where there are difficulties, where there are problems, those can be challenged. All right, it's 11.30. Let me go to Luanda Maume in the news. Stop the violence. SFM leading the conversation. Hashtag SFM talking point. Well, coming up at noon is the update at noon with Sakina Kamwendo, and they'll be taking a look at this. The KwaZulu-Natal ANC saying it will hold a media briefing. This is in the wake of former President Jacob Zuma's arrest in at the Escort Correctional Center last night. And uh, I'm sure she'll be taking you live to that particular uh, event. And the Department of Correctional Services uh, saying that the former president will not receive preferential treatment at their facilities and that he'll be given the same treatment as that of other inmates. And we're expecting that at 12.30, the Justice Minister Ronald Lamola is going to be expanding a bit more. Some of you asking important questions like what happens to the former president's security detail now that he, um, you know, is in is in prison. And and these are just some of the answer, questions that uh, the minister, I think, will have to answer. So do join Sakina at 12 o'clock on the update at noon.
Hashtag SFM Talking Point. Okay, let's continue the conversation on decolonizing the internet. Nanjira Sambuli is one of my guests. She's a commissioner on the Lancet and Financial Times Global Commission. Lorena Yame Palasi is the founder of uh, the Ethical Tech Society. Lorena, let me come to you and just begin with with the question that I, w- I was raising a little earlier. Why is it important for us to be asking questions about the internet, at least in the way in the way that we are right now? Thank you so much for for this question because I think the internet is it's a form of infrastructure, right? Um, infrastructure is a um, a very subtle uh, approach to shape society. So when you create the highways or you put cables across the uh, across the country, you decide who has access to electricity or to water or to mobility. And um, with that, you really shape the way how humans can um, can move through a country and can partake in uh, things that are difficult to afford or create by yourself. So. Um, so this is why we create um, infrastructures because um, we want to do something that is sub- that 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 implies and has costs that go beyond what oneself can afford. And with that, um, when you create infrastructure, um, you create it in such a way that you're not thinking of everyone, but you're thinking uh, of the overall shape of the country or the society where you're putting that infrastructure. Um, power that's the the um subtle way of power and this always implies a vulnerability and um, dependency um because once you've created that infrastructure and it is running you are dependent on that and if it goes down um it's a problem and it also shows that when there's a problem it usually does not affect one person but it affects collectives because they scale and that happens and with the internet as well and we are dependent on it many of um, the transactions of banks and um, communications run through the internet governments are on the internet and businesses are in some way of internet either in social media or in the broader uh, world wide web and if um there is a problem there. It's not going to affect just one entity, but it's going to affect societies uh, or in different ways. So this is um, a global infrastructure that is um, spreading all through the world and creating dependencies um, that go beyond one society, but between societies. And it is replicating old colonial approaches. Um, the whole scientific and mathematical thinking behind the internet relies in the enlightenment, in the um, way how we think that um, science can be done in a rational, objective way that is universal and that can be applied to all. And with this universality approach, with this approach that is very European, um, we need to step back and think of it because, um, of course, in mainstream academia, um, it has been seen as a way of doing good science, but we have seen through fantastic historians like Achille Mbembe um, that this was also a project to rationalize and legitimize 
the extraction of um, of um, continents like Africa and Asia and um, and and the southern part of America, so Latin America, and um, enslave human beings there. Um, that was also part of the Enlightenment. That was also part of the science. And um, it already starts by the fact that the statistics that we're using behind the mathematics in, in the Internet were created by people like Galton or Pearsons. Those are um, people that created the idea of eugenics. And where they, when they were creating statistical methods, the methods that they were creating, they were being created for the purpose of using them in eugenics, of classifying people and legitimizing the idea that there are humans that are better than others and are more intelligent than others. And those approaches are still um, living in every single um, service that comes the Western um, approaches. And I think this Mm -hmm. needs to be tackled right now because this is scaling up. Um, in a way that we haven't seen before with this um, with these services due to the global nature of them and mm. due to the fact that they are permeating um, and go beyond national borders, so All to right. say. All right, Lorena. Let me quickly go to Asanda. You're calling us from uh, Barclay East. Asanda, good morning to you. Very good morning to yourself, uh, Oskevi, and mm. your guests there. What a curveball to throw to us as your SAFM listeners talking about decolonizing the internet. I think it's quite a fascinating discussion to have. Right. So if I may just weigh in, I'd first really like to make a disclaimer and mm. say that first of all, I do support the unlearning, relearning, co learning, right? Mm. But I think as your guests have rightly outlined, I think as it relates to the internet it, for me, it really does signify the, or it, it is in many ways, the typical archetypal um, educational model that has become uh, a monster to children, right? And I'll qualify my statement this way. For example, education becomes a monster to children because it only looks at testing. It doesn't look at what the student brings to the table, what they already bring from home, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the wealth of language whatever experiences that they have, that may also um, shape the teachers' unlearning, co-learning, relearning with the, with the students in a way. So, I mean, there, there is no consideration for the experiences of the consumers of the, of the Internet mm-hmm. and how they relate to um, technology, never mind force IR, technology in general. Secondly, I'd like to make the point that I think it further entrenches the invidious distinctions between the privileged and those that are marginalized. Mm-hmm. You know, what we have witnessed is that uh, we've seen a lot of uh, those that can quickly catch on, as in as in a class, those that really, you know, respond really quick to the teachers, um, bringing a new subject, catching on. We've seen them really catching on really fast. You know, the Zoom meetings, they, they really don't have a problem with the mm-hmm. quick changes. They quickly As- adapt. And Asanda. those that are left behind. Hi, Asanda, Mama. I'm just going to pause you there. Hold that thought for me. I need okay. to take a quick break. I'll give you an opportunity uh, to, to conclude. I think you're really making some insightful contributions. And I see a lot of well, the other callers that are still on the line. We'll get to all of you after this. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday.
We continue our conversation looking into decolonizing the internet. Nigeria Sambuli and Lorena Yame Palasi uh, on the line, and I'm taking your calls. Asanda, uh, let me just give you a chance to to conclude your thought and and your contributions. Yes. Um, I hope I made the previous point clear. Yes, you did. uh, On education, uh, absolutely. Yeah, Mm. right. And so I also want to speak to the issue, and uh, as I summarize and conclude, if if, if then the Internet is appealing to people's addictions, for example, if people are forever glued, whether because they're forced by work to be on an online platform and to report to their clientele, if, if it's then appealing to their addiction, you know, uh, then can, can we ask questions of how healthy this is for their mental health as well? Because if, if, if it's appealing to your need to, 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 to be attached to people all the time, I mean, we all know we need to be together and apart at some point. And luckily, as I really, really cement my thoughts here, um, if we talk about decolonizing, it's impossible for us to not use the words of oppression there. And I think the Internet, in many other, many more ways, really, seeks to oppress in that it does not, it disregards the experience of the person that comes in. Do they have data? Do they have electricity? How, how, how much time do they walk to the place that really has open Wi-Fi? You know? So, I mean, it kind of like assumes, like your guests were saying there, that we are all on par. And reality is, we actually are not. Thank you ever ah, so much. Asanda, thank you so much uh, for those right insightful uh, contributions there. Asanda, out in Barclay East, I'm thinking about what she said. Uh, what happens in situations where, uh, you know, the Internet is appealing to uh, people's addictions and how then do we begin to, to, to have some kind of intervention for that? and How much of that rests with the individual? Bruce in Kabeha, good morning to you. Yes, hi, thanks for taking my call. I really appreciate it. Mm. Your guests make some valid points, but I'm concerned they conflate so many issues. It's just creating confusion out there. And if I could just maybe seize on two, two things, and that's to draw the distinction between things and people. Now, if we take the analogy of a, of a vehicle, I'm going to design that vehicle uh, with many components. But the vehicle itself cannot harm anyone until it's driven in a particular way. So the confusion we make is we've got people that have created the Internet. How it's used is a separate issue. Mm. You're best conflated to. So if I could just bring the um, point of argument back to maths, for example. Mm. Maths is completely neutral in, it, in itself. Now, maths originated over hundreds of years from the standpoint of science, and that is how do we measure things that we can observe? This is based on Newtonian uh, mathematics. It's a language. It's not something that mathematics is not something that's created by white men and Europeans. This is just a medium that's been identified to explain the observable universe. Now, when we have these kind of decisions, the discussions, we bring this identity politics into place. Mm-hmm. The, the narrative goes like this. Um, people in Europe and white people predominantly created maths or wrote all the books, and therefore it comes from the position of oppression, etc., etc. Maths is open to anybody. Anybody can write maths. It's a, it's a tool. It's a vehicle. It's, it's not about who designed the vehicle. So the problem is, is, is this. Um, in Africa, the Internet is available to a wide range of entrepreneurs across Africa. 
So the black people in Africa or anyone else who uses the internet can use it to their advantage. Now, you can't tell that person it's colonized. You have an opportunity, a tool to create wealth for yourself. And now you're casting doubts and aspersions because the creators or the designers of a language that's used to provide the service happen to be white. That's nonsensical. But on the issues of artificial intelligence and putting people into categories, 100%, there's no doubt that big tech influences us and negatively. And this is not just mm. particular categories of people. This is all of us. Tech is using information to, 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 to persuade us, etc. And those are the dangers that we should focus on. We shouldn't be conflating this issue with who designed it and what was the purpose. And this whole conspiratorial bloody madness mm, that's going mm. going on. Bruce, let's deal with uh, each yeah. issue on its own merit, surely. Bruce, I'm going to ask you to stay on the line because I also want to give my guests an opportunity to uh, respond to what you are saying and really allow for a bit of engagement. However, I have to take a quick break right now. So let me go to break and sure. we'll continue after this. The conversation on the talking point, decolonizing the internet and uh, some very important uh, contributions being made by Bruce, uh, our caller from Kabeha, Nigeria. Let me give you a first opportunity to respond. Thanks, Kathy. Bruce, I think in, the, in trying to deconstruct conflation, there are some conflations that have been introduced in your, in your statements. First of all, yes, math may be in a, quite a pure form, but we are seeing how what math is being weaponized, and especially through AI, which is essentially trying to order the world into ones and zeros. And that is why we must always link how technologies are designed to how they are intended for use. Our previous caller, for example, spoke about um, the Internet speaking and appealing to people's addictions. Yes, because it is in many ways the things the way the internet is reaching an African user today is not necessarily the internet that was created by DARPA, the US research agency in the seventies, that could be tinkered upon and that was built upon for uh, what we use today as the World Wide Web, for example, to exist. Yes, in some ways that opportunity may exist for an African user, but more often than not, everything from the mobile phone that they'll primarily use to access the internet to the platforms that are readily available or at no cost cost to them are designed to make sure that they are hoarded into a space of uh, consumption and fueling that to make them a data point that feeds a machinery and not necessarily exposing them by default to these opportunities that you're speaking about. Both things can be true, and that is what has been the work of many of our scholars to show that the Internet is not necessarily just a net good nor a net bad, but we need to make everybody who's involved in the process to be aware of these nuances and so that we can make sure that at the end of the day we don't throw any baby out of the bathwater. All right. Thanks for that, Nigeria. Lorena? Hello, Lorena. Not sure if you can still hear me. I muted myself. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> no uh, problem. No see. problem. <laughs> One year pandemic and still not being able to mute. Um, thanks so much for, for bringing that point of mathematics neutral. Um, this this sentence, mathematics is neutral, has been dealt with by science and technology studies, which is a discipline that um, was um, was raised as, as as a form of monitoring discipline to the discipline of artificial intelligence 60 years ago, over 60 years ago, um, but also by epistemology um, and historians looking at how science is produced and systematized. And 
the mathematics and that um, that uh, that we use um, are a language, a form of expression, of expressing things, and like any other language, they are full of assumptions. Um, and there is no neutral position to that. The decision to um, use a specific um, a specific algorithm, the specific the, the decision to use a specific formula, uh, the assumption that you can mathematize emotions and um, create a range of categories with which you then can use mathematics to decide um, and infer what type of emotion a person has via um, software or um, facial recognition apps and that are linked to some um, emotional uh, recognition um, idea behind that. That is also based not only on um, specific concepts that are problematic, but it's also based on mathematical decisions that are problematic. You can use, as Nigeria was saying, mathematics to weaponize. There is no way to put, um, in the moment where you use mathematics to create a social technical system, you are making decisions and those decisions are never objective. They are um, dependent on, um, they are used in a specific context and with that, because you are using mathematics to systematize a specific process, to systematize a specific um, interaction, um, and with that you're creating infrastructure, you are making a power decision with that. So there's nothing objective about that. Right. And also the principles guiding this idea, principles like um, efficiency and optimization of Optimization of what exactly? And why optimization or efficiency? Why not resilience? Why not other? Those are principles that guide the mathematics that you're using. And with that, they are not neutral at all. Okay. And by the way, deciding to mathematize something is also an ecological decision as well. Deciding that you need to use AI or you need to um, use the internet for a specific process implies also decisions about the coltan and cobalt and lithium that you're going to need to create the computers to create the cables and the servers and so on and with that you're making a lot of decisions that have a real impact in society and that are not neutral at all and prioritize some things over others oh, lorena okay thank you for that bruce i'm going to give you just 30 seconds perhaps just to uh, make a final point before i go on to the next caller Yes, I'll just focus on that one point made by your last guest. I mean, she, she's using the words herself to make the distinction while originally phoned, and that's the distinction between using a vehicle and designing a vehicle. Now, she kept on using the terms using maps for AI and using maps based on all of these assumptions. I agree with that 100%, but she's still conflating maps with, with, with a concept that explains the physical universe. So she's using the concept interchangeably. Um, yes, we've got to, of course, watch for the dangers of people using maps to categorize people for AAR based on false assumptions, 100%. But the mistake we make at the station all the time is that we somehow say we can decolonize maths itself. Now, maths itself is something which just exists on its own. It's not something manipulable. Okay. And this is the distinction I just want you to make just to, to, to stop this harassment of 
poor white people who, 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 who manage to explain maths. All the right. people who use Bruce? it to their effect, are, they are the bad people. Not the... All right. Okay, Bruce, I have so to much. move on I'm from you. Thank you. Sure, sure. Makosonke in Jabulani, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm Kofi? well, thank you. Good, good, good. I just want to say that um, with regards to the internet, I'm not too sure about decolonizing it, but with regards to the internet, my biggest concern is that um, um, as much as there is so much good that we le- that, that comes with an internet, but there's also so, so much damage also that it caused by the mere fact that it is not um, uh, uh, regulated when it comes to that damage that it caused. I mean, um, the, 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 like that lady, she spoke about mental health as well, that mm-hmm. if a person gets exposed to, to, to damaging content, then it affects their mental health. Now, my, my biggest concern is, is with, with, regards, with regards to that, we should be worried about decontaminating that that we should be fighting for that to be dead for for that content to be decontaminated so that we have um so that we don't have this con- this content 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 that is currently on the internet i mean for example there, there was, there's a child that was sentenced to jail because she raped a, a six-year-old i can tell you right now if that child can be if the the, the gadget of that child can be checked we'll find out that that child was exposed mm. into the porn that is on the mm. on the internet mm. and which led to that child to be sexually um, uh, uh, alive or, 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 or and, and that led to that child that end up raping, raping that other child, to understand? Because, I mean, really, it, 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 we cannot say internet is bad, but also we need to be careful about that. Thank you. All right. Marco Sonke, thanks for calling in, making such an important view there as well. I can't believe we've, <laughs> we've run out of time. Um, let me thank my guests for coming onto the show today and for uh, sharing their insights. Nanjira Sambuli and Lorena Yame Palasi, uh, who is the founder of Ethical Tech Society. And Nanjira, of course, is the uh, commissioner on the Lancet and Financial Times Global Commission. It's gone midday. Uh, we're going to have to leave it there in terms of this discussion, but I think it's been incredibly thought-provoking. Thank you all uh, for the engagement that you have been given. Okay, it's a Thursday. Tomorrow we wrap up the week. Jeesh, finally, Friday is here, at least almost. Sakina, good afternoon.